Welcome to Piecing It All Together. I'm Randy Woodley. I'm Bo Sanders. We are piecing it all together with you. Yeah, I like that. This is episode 38, and we are excited about some upcoming things. Next week is uh, in anticipation of Earth Day. We're doing a crossover with another podcast interview that Randy did, and so that's going to help us get ready. We're going to play a portion of that. And, and that also is going to be a, a day where we talk about um, some things that are coming out, like I've got an article coming out in Sojourner's Magazine I, I want to plug, and um, I've got uh, some other things happening, and so oh. I'll talk about those. It'll take a few minutes. I won't do that now. But yeah, yeah. yeah. People will want to make sure to look for that when it comes out. Yep. Then if you're going to join the reading group, you, we're going to be reading Shalom and the Community of Creation, the first part of it, and then talking about it. And so I think people will look forward to getting a chance to uh, read with me and then ultimately talk with you. Uh, and I think that's really going to open up the possibilities that if if you're reading, you're always in a, a sort of a dialogue with the author, but if you know you're actually going to be in dialogue with the author, I think that that changes the way you read, and so I'm hoping that people will engage pretty deeply in that. This is kind of like when I was at, uh, we did a thing called Wild Goose West, yeah. and um, uh, we were trying to raise money for it, yeah. and uh, they, they Gareth Higgins yeah. asked me if I would... Uh, for $20 a pop, what I set in the dunk tank while people threw softballs and sunk me, right? So um, uh, I hope it's not like one That's, of them deals. But it's the, not like that. But I, I can take it either <laughs> way. So. And then lastly, on Saturday, May the 4th, may the 4th be with you, <laughs> we're going to do a live Zoom chat with our Patreon supporters. So we want to say thank you if you support us financially on Patreon. We are very grateful for that. And, so, and folks, here's a little secret, right? We we, we want to when you do these things, you want to give a little reward to those yeah. who are supporting. And, but here's the secret: all you got to do is pay a dollar a month, and you can be a part of this. So that's true. Yeah. So the twenty dollar level, obviously, they're automatically in, and then everybody who gives at either the ten dollar level or even the one dollar level, that first month, they get an invitation to jump into the conversation. Okay. So that's a pretty good deal. So Randy. Something I have been wanting to talk to you about is the idea of communal discernment uh, and accountability. So let me tell you the funny background to this that made me want to uh, bring this as a topic on piecing it all together. I was leading a little class and I was introducing them to the idea of liberation theologies. So for those who don't know, liberation theologies are primarily were housed in Central and South America. They're based on these base communities. It's a very different model of church. It's not top-down, hierarchical, um, right, heavy-handed. It's communal and it is a bottom-up decision-making and it's sort of beautiful, and it got a bad rap in uh, our little branch of America because it was um, connected to a Marxist critique of capitalism, but there's still a lot to be learned from liberation theologies. So I'm presenting this to a group of uh, largely white folks, uh, liberal Portland white folks, and they're really loving it. I mean, truly loving the idea of the liberation theologies and what they represent and that they're bottom up and... So whenever people are too comfortable, right, with something like this, I, I always need to 
make sure I turn the mirror around real quick and show them. Uh, and here's, so here's what I did. So I said, we're going to end today with uh, an experiment where one of you is going to present to us uh, a situation you're currently in, a concrete situation. And we as a group are going to discern, we're going to talk it through and pray it through, and we're going to discern together what you should do. And then you are bound to do what we decide. <laughs> Any volunteers? No, zero volunteers. Because <laughs> all of a sudden they realize that the individualism that we have been sold in, the, in our Western mind um, is so deeply penetrating that, Randy, I would never want to be bound by someone else's decisions. That would be like hell to me, hmm. right? As an individual. But this idea of communal discernment, we get asked questions about it. In fact, this week I put up on Facebook and I said, hey, uh, anything that you want Randy and I to talk about in episode 38? And this was one of the things that was brought up. People are trying to figure out how do I break out of that individualism that I've been sold and move towards more of a communal mentality and approach so I thought this would be a great space for you and I to talk about some of the advantages and the but the uh, difficulties with moving towards more of a communal approach or mentality for both discernment and accountability. Okay. Well, let me give you a, a three-minute rundown of my background in this, okay? Uh, some of this you may not know. So when I uh, first started following Jesus, and I apologize to those listeners who are not religious, um, give, you know, give us just a few minutes to <laughs> get this out, but that's part of my background. Sure. And so um, I read the book of Acts, the New Testament, and, I, and the book of Luke, those two I sort of stayed in for a long time. And I kept looking at the book of Acts, and then I'd look at the church, and I'd look at the book of Acts, and I'm like, well, there's something very different Something's about off. this, you know? Yeah. Later, I realized, you know, when I began to see through my indigenous eyes, um, instead of what I was told that I needed to do, um, that, that this was very much indigenous principles as well, the early church, because they were indigenous people. They were people who um, were tribal, basically, and were actually in the transitioning to a more urban sort of individualistic, but nowhere near what we do here. But um, so there was still very much communal decision making about things. Acts chapter 6, for example, of, you know, and, and Acts 15. And, you know, all of these are communal decisions that were made. No hierarchy. So even people who will argue, you know, in, uh, in, in Acts 15 where the biggest decision in the history of the church is made, you know, well, the Gentiles, how can they receive the gospel? It, it, and, and, and you have all these leaders talking, which is what the writer chooses to, to, to dwell on. But then it says, and they with the whole church decided. And so um, there's no hierarchy uh, that I can find in the, the uh, life of Jesus or the life of the early church. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that was, that was um, transitioned to and then it went very well with empire. And the church has never been able to get out of that hierarchy since, unfortunately. So... Um, so I went looking as a sort of countercultural move to say, well, where, where are those churches that are practicing this kind of community? So it began me on a long, several decade search for communities. Mm. And I, I joined in the process a number of different communities who were trying to live out those kinds of things. And, 
and uh, was a part of those, became part of leadership of one of those and, and others. But, but then um, something different happened, though, when I went back to Indian country. And, and I realized that you can't actually create that. You can't say, oh, we're going to be uh, an intentional community, mm-hmm. and these are our principles. Now, everybody live up to those. For some reason, that's very clunky, and it never huh. seems to work. But what you actually have to do is just live together and allow it to happen, right? Really? So, yeah, I always, um, you know, one of my uh, colleagues uh, at the uh, institution I work at will often talk about himself when he's introduced himself and say, I'm part of an intentional community, yeah, blah, sure. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And if I follow him, I will usually say, well, and I'm part of an unintentional community. Um, it just kind of fell together, as it always does wherever we go. And we open up our home to hospitality. Yeah. And um, and then nobody's sort of in charge. And, you know, uh, and, and, and it becomes those whose voices are most respected and who have the most character and whose um, life show the kind of integrity uh, that people would like to follow, their voice speak, speaks for itself. And that's what happens in community. Um, but when you, I think when you try to put rules down and say, okay, we have to do this, this, and this to have community, that yeah. never seems to work. Now, you know, probably, um, you know, one of the kind of classic books out there for Christians is Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Life Together. Yeah. And one of the things he said is, uh, is that as soon as you put down the rules of life together, of life as community, you've already dissolved it. That's a, it's not an exact quote. Yeah. But basically, it's sort of like as soon as you have set down those exterior rules to say, yeah. here's how this is supposed to work, you've already destroyed the organism. Hmm. And you create an institution. And... Um, and so we're called to live together, to have life together, yeah. uh, wherever we are, wherever we're trying to create harmony together, yeah. our shalom, or whatever yeah. it is that, that, that whatever it is that your group calls it. And when we live together by living together, we don't live together by saying, "Here's what we have to do." I I got to be honest. This is not what I thought you were going to say at all. Really? What did you think no, I was going to say? I thought you were going to say. That here are the eight best practices I found, and here are here are four here are four principles that sort of govern this thing. No, come on, I had no idea that you were going to say, "Yeah, it doesn't work." Yeah, that it doesn't. It just does. I mean, I've been, I've been at this for you know uh, I don't know how long has it been like uh, seventy eight nine 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 two thousand nine forty years right watching this thing happen in forty years and in forty years. What I've seen is that, that the stuff that happens naturally happens, and it's real, and the stuff that's artificial eventually dissolves. Well, okay, so I have, I'm, I got now I have more questions than than answers. Now I'm really puzzled. <coughs> Let me ask you a couple of things. So when white folks, um, and I, by the way, I just met a guy. This is, doesn't necessarily a religious thing. I just met a guy who's part of an artist community. Sure, yeah. There's lots they, of different kinds. Yeah, of so there's like 28. Little condos or apartments, and but they have a collective space in the middle for lunches and dinners and stuff, community meetings. Mm-hmm. So they have to come to two meetings a week. They talk about it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Does anybody have any problems? If somebody's being disrespectful, then they right decide as a community, like, hey, you know, you can't be playing that music after 11, whatever it is. 
no religious connotation at all. It's just artistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of the people that I know are doing it out of some religious conviction, especially an anti-consumer. Because instead of each of us owning our own home, right, as a nuclear family, they're trying to reclaim some thing about a multi-generational living or communal living, or right? There's some protest involved or a critique of this consumeristic suburban life that's so dry and soulless, right? So people are attracted to it. Not everybody, but people find something intriguing or exotic or attractive about it, and they want to try it out. Mm -hmm. But figuring out how to facilitate it in a way that is not manipulative or cultish or unhealthy and dysfunctional, controlling, is really tricky. Yeah, well, one of the things about cults, you know, is there's a central authority. And, yeah. and what I'm talking about, there's no central authority. Okay. Um, and, and, and this is not, of course, anything new, right? It's yeah. been going on. I mean, even when I talked about those who uh, exhibit the most integrity in their lives, yeah. you know, the, the, the New Testament actually talks about that. It, it calls those who, like, were the greatest servants deacons. Yeah. It calls those who were like innovative and able to go out to others apostles. It talks about those who um, are uh, those who are teachers. It ta- Later, those things are ascribed as offices, and we call yes. the, you know. Let me get Greek for a minute: Episcopal and yeah. Presbyteroi, uh, and you know all of those kinds of things. Those have been they transformed. Get, they get formalized from yeah. To, they've been formalized. Thank yeah. you. To uh, a, a place um, where they were never meant to be, they huh. were meant to describe people who were respected, who were doing things. They described their job; it didn't describe their <laughs> office, right? So, huh. and and that's the way I think real community works. Um, it, it works by those you know uh, with who get respect to whom respect is due. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're somebody who cares about a lot of people, you, you, you know, we use the Greek word, you know, that's now pastor. That's the one uh-huh. that's translated as pastor, um, or shepherd, but that's all you're doing is you're care. You're a carer. You're somebody yeah. who really cares, you know, huh. and takes responsibility. And maybe others join in and say, Hey, let me support you. Cause you're such a caring person and I don't have time. So let me support you in that. You know, but it doesn't mean all of a sudden you're the pastor. It just means that you're. You know, you're you're part of the community, and that's what you how you so. function. Yeah. Two more questions. So, what if everyone agreed on a standard of conduct? They all agreed on saying this is the way we want to live together. So, oh, real quick. Yeah. Um, so, there's lots of the civil rights movement would have, and, and you know, my theory would have never happened without SNCC, right? Yeah. The, those are to me the the real heroes. We needed, you know, sort of people like Martin Luther King Jr. and and uh, you know Ralph Abernathy and and uh, other people who were getting up and saying things who became like the spokespeople, right? Yeah. But the ground level, the the uh, the grassroots level, where all the work was being done to register voters and to risk their lives and all those kinds of things, was done by groups like SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. 
they ran on a non-hierarchical formula. So sometimes it would take them all night to make these decisions that had to be made, but every person got a voice. And that's the way our indigenous um, villages uh, ran from my own people. And uh, everybody had a voice. Every uh, council house had room for every person in the village, and they got to speak. It would drive the British people crazy when they were trying to deal with the Cherokees because they would say, you know, we want one chief. Eventually, that's what they did. Uh But but they would say um, not only, uh, you know, uh, complain about that, you know, one simple decision will take them three days uh, to, uh, you know, to uh, night and day. Uh, to come to, but they would also, they called us a petticoat government because the women had equal say. (laughs) (laughs) And they didn't even wear petticoats. uh, That's ironic. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of projection, colonial projection. Yeah, lots lots of that. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, it's a, um, I I think, you know, if I just talked about from an indigenous perspective, if I talked about it from a biblical perspective, and talk about just from a human perspective, um, yes, there is a such thing as organization, but but it doesn't have to be stilted and clunky and, you know, the rules that say, you know. The, and so we've found vehicles like talking circles and sweat lodges yes. and those ceremonies and those, um, those town council meetings. Yes. Those kinds of ways um, to facilitate that kind of an ethic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before I ask my next question, I just want to say... Uh, one of the things that came up in that little story I told you just a few minutes ago was somebody had actually listened to our podcast with Alan, who from Great Spirit Fellowship, about that communal discernment of changing the name. Mm-hmm. And their pushback against me was saying, yeah, but, you know, Alan talked about it and blah, blah, blah. So it was interesting that people had actually been inspired by that story. And so there's something about that when you're not a part of a culture or a tradition or, right, a community that operates that way, and then you hear a story like Alan told, there's something attractive to say, wait a minute, so everybody got to contribute or weigh in on this, and everybody's voice mattered? Like, there's something appealing about that, so I understand why people are attracted to it. Sure. My question is about... Um, the lack of accountability. So if you don't have a communal structure, um, or even if you do, and somebody doesn't live up to the communal expectation or whatever you've agreed, the agreed upon uh, standard, there can be no accountability, <coughs> right? Unless you have some type of authority structure. It doesn't need to be a person, but there needs to be something uh, unfortunately, with human so nature, we don't all live up to even our best. Yeah, in our indigenous intentions. ways, I guess then that's where the elders would come in. Okay. Right? So, um, although uh, you know, I mean, the famous saying uh, when I lived in Oklahoma uh, with the Oklahoma Cherokees, the famous saying was, "Well, Cherokees vote with their feet." So, you know, if if you show up, you're part of it, and if you don't, you're not. And, and yeah. there's not a whole lot of accountability built in that system. Right? Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, if I'm here, I'll help, and if I'm not, then I'm not interested or I'm interested in something else. And, and so I, I wonder if built in the question, uh, there's some sort of sense that there's supposed to be a control. Huh. So, like, what what I is wonder, it that I we're wonder. afraid of that right. we need to uh, control to make sure people are accountable? What's the fear? What are we What are we asking when we say, 
you know, how do you hold people accountable? What are we afraid is going to happen? Well, there's always going to be somebody who is selfish and makes a decision that's best for them that's hurtful to the yes. community as a whole. So the, the group can say, you know, you're being selfish. Oh, my goodness. Listener, if you have feedback on this, especially if you're one of the people who asked us to address this issue, <laughs> what what do we need to cover so that we more specifically address the thing you were asking? Because i got to be honest, Randy, this did not go the way I thought it was going to. <laughs> wow, that really took a, a quite a side turn. Uh, but... I learned a lot, but I think what I'm intrigued by is um, that you, who sort of practice this, mm-hmm. yeah, our our community, which we're I mean, just in all you know honesty, we're on a, a hiatus right now, yeah, um, but uh, for some particular reasons, but yeah, it operated for many many years, the last decade or so, yeah. um, without anybody being in charge and. Um, yeah, so and operated around centered around sweat lodge and eating together. Basically. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, let us know your questions, comments, concerns, critiques, clarifications, anything that you need. You can post it on Facebook. You can tweet us. You can email. Um, connect at piecingitalltogether.com. You can reach out to us on through Patreon if you're a supporter. But we would love to know your thoughts on this subject. And uh, specifically, if there's anything we need to circle back around to in an upcoming episode uh, in order to clarify and flesh this out a little bit. Now, let's piece this all together, folks. Peace out, right? Yep. Yep.